From Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Lehigh Athletics presents Mountain Hawk Talk, the podcast for the Lehigh Mountain Hawks, presented by Lehigh Valley Health Network and Coordinated Health. Here's your host, Josh Liddick. Hey, what's going on, Lehigh fans? Welcome into Episode 5 of the Mountain Hawk Talk Podcast, the official podcast of Lehigh Athletics. On this episode, Andy Casey, Class of 2001, and Evan Bruno, Class of 2003, join me to discuss the 20th anniversary of the 2000 Lehigh Men's Soccer Patriot League Championship victory, including an epic title game win at rival Lafayette. The two share anecdotes from throughout that historic season en route to the program's first league title in history. Without further ado, here's my interview with Andy Casey and Evan Bruno. And I'm joined today by uh, Evan Bruno, class of 2003, and Andy Casey, class of 2001, both members of the 2000 um lehigh men's soccer patriot league championship team they were both first team all region and first team all patriot league selections fellas welcome to the podcast we're so excited to have you on to to really just reflect and talk about uh this championship uh 20 years after yeah great to be here thanks so much for for organizing this I, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you yeah yeah thanks josh same here yeah guys and it, it's it's an honor um for sure i mean i, I we mentioned off air but you know, it's not every day that we get to talk about this this championship. And, you know, it was the first one um, for Lehigh men's soccer in the program's history. Obviously, they've won th- uh, two since, three total. Um, you know, before we get into the topic of the topics of the interview at stake, um, you know, what do you guys been up to in the last 20 years? Uh, you know, what did you guys study while you were at Lehigh? And, um you know, what ultimately went into your decision to pick Lehigh as your school? We'll start with, uh, we'll start with Andy first and we'll go to Evan then. And he had to remind us, he had to remind us it was 20 years. Yeah. What have I been up to for 20 years? Huh? Good question, Josh. Um, So I, uh, let's see, I, I left Lehigh. I played a little bit of soccer afterwards, um, uh, you know, in uh, in New Hampshire and, and, and around Boston. Uh, I was then a musician for a long time. So I played in some bands. Actually, when Evan was living in New York with Colin, another member of the 2000 Patriot League team, uh, they used to live uh, really close to this one venue that the band I was in would play all the time, the Delancey. So we would crash on their couch. So this is like, you know, in the mid 2000s. Um, so I did that and then um, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. So once I kind of sowed those wild oats, if you will, mm-hmm. um, I went back to school. I got a master's degree in education. I'm now a high school English teacher at Pentucket uh, High School, in, which is in Northern Mass in West Newbury, Mass. And I also coached uh, the girls' JV soccer team there. So I'm still heavily involved in soccer. I play on an over 30s team uh, in Mass. BJ Hodson is on the team, another member of the uh, 2000 Patriot League championship squad um and that's uh that's basically what that's basically the last 20 years so actually evan and i talked about this before we were facetiming before um we chatted with you and we talked about like what an awesome recruiter dean is and i think that's one of the like his true like lasting legacies for lehigh was just his ability to to like make players want to go there and play for him like he came 
to my house. Like he drove up to Boston. Like we, he had dinner with my family and was like, Boston. so here's how we play. Here's where you're going to fit in. Yeah. And it was like, I mean, that was it. Like I, if, no I, brainer. I, yeah. Yeah. No brainer. I mean, there was no question in my mind. This is where I wanted to go. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And for me, you know, it's obviously, uh, I chased the dream a little bit after Lehigh and, and played a little bit of professional soccer. Um, and then once I realized that, you know, I, I was not going to make a career in the game, um, you know, moved on and I've been in New York city ever since. So, um, right now I work in, um, you know, sports marketing and entertainment company, um, which I've been doing for uh, close to 10 years now and I love it, but, you know, back to kind of what Casey said, you know, I have a similar story where, I was committed to Monmouth University and, and I actually went to a soccer camp in between my junior and senior year um, for the Metro Stars, which are now the Red Bulls for the younger audience that's listening. Um, <laughs> and Dean was actually a counselor. Dean was, a, Dean was one of the trainers that week and he happened to, I got assigned to his group. Um, and at the end of the week, you know, he kind of came up to me and said, you know, I was a little bit of a under the radar recruit. And uh, he said to me, you know, where are you going to college? And I said, Mammoth. And he said, no, you're not. You're going to Lehigh. And uh, he asked where my mom was, went and had a conversation with her. We went up and visited Lehigh a couple of days later, and, and uh, he changed our mind. So, uh, listen, it was the best decision I ever made. Um, that's, that's clear 20 years later. Um, so, so, yeah, that's about it. Let's take it back to the beginning. You know, we'll take it back to that 2000 uh, team. Um, but obviously that preseason going into the season, um, what do you remember most about the feeling that you and your teammates had going into the year? It was a, it was a rough 1999, you know, you did finish with an eight, seven and two overall record two, three and one in the Patriot league. But you know, what was that feeling going into the preseason? Like that you guys wanted to flip that switch to, to make a run uh, that year. Yeah, I mean, you know, it might, it might be a little bit different of an answer for Andy because, you know, Andy at that point was a senior leader on that team. But, you know, for me, I, you know, thinking back on that season, and I'd be remiss not to talk about the, the previous year, um, that team was really talented. That 99 team, I was a freshman. Okay. Um, Kevin Jackson, you know, was the best player in the league. I mean, and, and it really wasn't close. I mean, we had a very talented team, but we weren't really ready to win. Um, we weren't, we, we couldn't really get over the hump and, and that my sophomore year, Andy, um, Andy Casey, Andy Soison and John Robel, who were the three seniors on that team, um, you know, and that'll be a theme throughout for me personally, but they changed the entire dynamic of that team and our program really. And going into that preseason, you know, I'll let Andy talk a little bit about what we, what we did in that preseason and, and how that all came together. But to be honest with you, the expectations weren't all that high. We knew we had a good nucleus. We knew we had talented players. Um, but, you know, until we uh, packed our tents up and our backpacks up and went to the Poconos, I don't think we really knew what type of team we had. Andy? <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I, I mean, just to kind of piggyback on what Evan said, that, that 99 team, like, we started – the season as favorites to win the league you know we we came out of the gates like strong we were playing and beating like good teams that weren't in our league um but yeah just it just it never really clicked and and that season ended 
we had injuries, we had suspensions, and it, it really did peter out. I mean, it, it was a low ebb. I remember that off season being really like just kind of long and, and, you know, so when we came back again the, the next summer, we, um, you know, I, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I'd actually spent the summer in Ireland. I, I, you know, I went back, I lived there till I was eight. So I went back for the summer and kind of put Lehigh soccer on the back burner and came into preseason. Like, obviously I was fit and, and ready to play, but I really, in terms of expectations, I, I, they, we didn't really have any, I mean, we, mm. we kind of didn't know where it was going to go. Yeah. Um, and we, yeah, as Evan, he's been alluding to this, this preseason kind of like hiking trip that we did with the wonderful Rick Pretzel, um, who was, it was like his kind of thing to organize these team bonding activities. And I'll be really candid with you. I used to hate them. Like I hated them. I just wanted to play soccer. I usually thought they were a waste of time. And when we were doing this, it was one of the funnest, like, 12 hours of my, like, we were just the energy and, like, again, it had nothing to do with soccer. Like, we had to rappel down a cliff. We had to, like, mm. canoe. We had to, you know, do all this stuff. And just, you know, afterwards, we were stopped and got pizza on the way home. And Dean was in the other room, like, listening to us tell stories about, you know, whatever and everybody's dying laughing and Dean and like the other coaches are like what do we have to do to like tire these these guys out and I think that was the first sign that the group of guys the way we kind of meshed together we were definitely more than the sum of our parts so to speak whereas in previous years not just the year before but in previous years it, it, we had these really awesome players I mean Evan mentioned Kevin Jackson the year before that Andy Mittendorf like he was drafted mm -hmm fourth overall in the MLS draft his senior yeah. year. I mean, these are like, these are heavyweights. These are like massive players. Both of them were no longer there. So there was this void in terms of these big names that I think we filled with, um, you know, a, a team unity, a team bonding, if you will. Because I, I, I felt mean, like we kind of had to. Josh, we basically spent two days in the woods. And, you know, to <laughs> To Dean's credit, frankly, uh, you know, and I believe this, to Dean's credit, I think he recognized that we needed something. We needed something a little bit different to build this team and kind of build the camaraderie around this team. And Rick Pretzel knew how to get that out of us. Rick was a different type of a coach. I mean, he brought us on. He was basically, um, you know, a, a, a team builder, a spiritual coach, not in the religious sense, but in the in the sense that, you know, you could dig in and find, you know, a, a way to kind of persevere. And later on in that season, that helped us because we won multiple games in the last 10 minutes. I mean, we just, yeah. we had another gear, that team had another gear, but in those two days in the, you know, we camped, we camped out um, and, you know, we did all kinds of team building exercises and group exercises and competitions, but it was 48 hours where we kind of came together and it kind of set the tone for the season. Gotcha. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it did set the tone for the season. You know, the beginning of the year in 2000 was pretty, was pretty solid for the most part. You know, you guys went 4-1-2 and two heading into Patriot League play. Had a pair of 4-1 uh, wins over Delaware and St. Joe's. Um, but then the league slate started and 
you guys had a loss to Holy Cross, a draw to Colgate. Both teams, your team has struggled with and produced the same results the year before. You know, was coming out of that Colgate match with similar results as the year prior something that motivated you guys to do things differently moving forward? And what was the key to keep the faith and stay on course heading into that next stretch of games? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think in the Patriot League, it, you know, we, we say this all the time, but it's a rock fight. And and every every game in the Patriot League is tough. There's no, you know, obviously you've got rivals like Lafayette, but, you know, every game in the league, especially in, in men's soccer, is is difficult. So I don't think we went into one game thinking, oh, we need revenge on last year or whatnot. I think we were settling into who we were as a team. I mean, the early part of any season – you know, the unique thing about this team, um, which I which I remember vividly, and I, and I think Andy and I have talked about it in the past, is, you know, we were such a unique group of, of guys that came together. You had some seasoned veterans like like Andy, like Andy Soison, like John Roble, guys who led us, who were seniors who had been in the program for years. Um, and then you had this this influx of like raw young talent, like Doug Cusick, who was a freshman in West Roach, who's a freshman. My sophomore class had three guys who were starting and playing significant minutes. So, you know, you had, you had this, this talent, this, this veteran presence with this raw talent. And it took us a little bit of, you know, time to kind of, to kind of grow as a team. And, you know, based on our numbers and what we ended up accomplishing, like, we, we came together and, you know, we started to be kind of like an offensive juggernaut, but it took us a little bit to settle into that, I think. And, you know, the move from Casey, Casey was a, and I'll let him probably tell the story better, but I, all I remember of it, Casey was an attacking player. You know, Andy was a, you know, he was an outside midfielder, was very offensive. And Dean made the decision, really, I think it was Travis Coley. And, and Andy, I don't want to steal the thunder on this for you, but, I think Travis Coley had come over and moved Andy back to left back and it changed our entire presence as a unit. I mean, him attacking from the left back spot, just, we, we just became, I mean, unstoppable down the left side because Andy was making overlapping runs down the flank and we had attacking players everywhere. Dan Persibali, Colin Marshall, Doug Cusick and myself up top. I mean, we were, we were just a dangerous team. Travis Coley, was our assistant coach, grad assistant coach. And he was part of the Lafayette team that won the league, I think in 96, they went to the sweet 16. So like he had experience winning a championship. He played in the tournament and Dean really trusted him. And, and we played one scrimmage during preseason. And he told him, he's like, you're going to play Casey at left back. Like I'd never played defense. I, I was 21. Like I was always a left-sided midfielder. I think the season before when we had some injuries, I actually played attacking center mid. Like that's the kind of player that, that I, I was or thought I was. And he watched me play one half of 11 v 11 during preseason. He was like, yeah, you're going to put him at left back. And Dean did. And I was like, whoa. And it turned out to be like an incredible move. Like it really, Travis Smith, who was normally the left back, he just bumped up to midfield. So when I was bombing forward, he could just sit. He knew exactly how to sit in, and he could cover for me, no problem. Yep. Yep. And having played in the midfield my whole life, when you get switched to the outside back, you have so much time on the ball. You see it. So the game looked and felt slower to me, and things just, as Evan said, really clicked into place. 
Colin would come over on my side and play in front of me as well if we thought the team had a weak right back and he was a very attack. So it, it really, um, having then, so I'm in the back, Andy Soison was the center back next to me, an outstanding, probably the most underrated player in Lehigh soccer history. He was just an absolute stud. Yeah. Center back, warrior, leader, soft-spoken, didn't say much, just mm -hmm. did what he was supposed to do. He was right next to me, so I felt comfortable that he could cover for me. And then the other senior was John Robel. He played at right back. So three of the four people in the back four are seniors. Everybody else are, um, as Evan was saying, young, sophomores, freshmen, attacking players. So we had a really good backbone. And then we had Ryan Grizak, who for me was the, the best goalie in the league by far. I mean, there, was, yeah. there wasn't even a close second. He was. He was. So we knew in the back that if, if we kept the other team to even one goal, we're probably going to win. That's another Dean miracle, by the way, getting Ryan Grizak to come to Lehigh because Ryan Grizak was spectacular. Gatorade player of the year in New Jersey, uh, best goaltender in the Eastern region. He was on, in the national pool. I mean, he was so talented. So getting him was obviously huge. And he was in my class, so I got to, I got yeah. to get four years with him. Um, and like you said, like we came out of the gates hot. We started really well. Every year we lose to Holy Cross two to one. It's <laughs> basically what happens. Yeah. And lose tying Colgate on the road, I thought was a really good result. That's a tough place to go. So yeah, I remember leaving sure. there pretty happy. Like that they, you know, that's a 7 p.m. kickoff. That field is right in the middle of campus. It's hostile. The fans are right on top of you. Mm -hmm. Like we we felt like that that was a pretty good result. So at that time, it you know, we were we felt like it you know, we left Colgate going home thinking like, we're, we're, we're going to be fine. Um, and yeah. then, you know, we had a few wobbles after that, but. Yeah. Well, Hamilton's also a real, it's, it's, it's an awful place to travel to. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so, <laughs> it's an What's awful that? road it's, trip. It's like seven hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you guys, um, to close out the year, we talked about getting hot at the beginning, but you guys were red hot at the tail end of the season. Um, you know, you went, Unbeaten in the final four games, um, including a double OT win at Navy in Annapolis, another difficult place to play for sure, um, and a 2-1 win over uh, Bucknell to close out the regular season, who were, was also a very good team in the league. Um, and then you guys went, turned around and beat them again, back-to-back, um, -back, kind of like the 2019 team did last year, playing Bucknell at the end of the season and then beating them in the, uh, in the semifinal. Um, you know, how did winning those matches and building that momentum uh, at the end of the year set the table um, for that rivalry rematch against Lafayette? Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, we were we were at the point of no return. I mean, we talk about this season and we're, you know, the way we're talking about it now um, doesn't give it the sense of urgency that it actually had. And, and you know, Josh, if I rewind it for you, like, honestly – we go, we're on the bus on the way to Annapolis. If we don't come away from that game with a win, mm -hmm. we, are, we are not going to make the playoffs. So we have to win. That is a, so the playoffs started for us in Annapolis in early November on the road in a tough place, as you mentioned, on a Saturday night. Um, it was freezing, I remember. 
Um, we found a way to win that game in double overtime. And I will tell you, a tie does nothing for us. A tie did nothing for us. We had to win that game, and we had to beat Bucknell. And we win that game in double overtime. Um, we come home, we play Bucknell. Um, that Bucknell game, you know, I think Casey had two assists in that game. Doug Cusick scored the first goal on a header. Um, and Dan Persibali scored the second goal with, I think, 10 seconds left, Case. Something like so, that. I mean, the, when, I, think it, yeah. I think it was 10 seconds left. Because yeah, when Dan yeah, scored the goal, it was like an alumni weekend, so there were like 2,000 people. At, I mean, it was packed. So when yeah. Dan scored, everybody thought the game was like people were like running out on the field. Like we were going it was, nuts. It was crazy. And they, had to, they were like, no. This, so it took them like five minutes to clear yeah. people off the field. And we had to like, you know, Bucknell had to kick off and we were all like back in our own 18, like waiting for them to launch the ball down the field. Um, but it was that, I mean, you're that close to like your season ending. And I just right. like going back to the Navy game too, like Navy was a good team. Like to me, they were actually probably better than Lafayette. Like they, mm -hmm. they had some good players and going there and winning on the road is like not an easy thing to do. And we had to win. And that was, I think Evan, you scored the winner in overtime. But again, like Evan said, like if we tied that game, that's we're done. I mean, yeah. we were literally in the fight for our lives those last, you know, yep. two or three games. That was one of the best goals I think I've scored. Like that was Colin. Colin whipped that cross in. I had a diving header, and it was against a guy, Brian Steckroff, who was the defensive player of the year, a defensive player of the year in the league, was from basically one town over from me in New Jersey. So we had a little personal rivalry going and that year he was defensive player of the year and I was offensive player of the year so the score so the score diving header on him to win that game was amazing but I mean just I to, still see him every once in a while by the way I'll see him down here in Jersey at the beach yeah I'll just uh I let his kids know that I scored <laughs> <laughs> but I think I, I think the the manner in which we won the Navy game and then the Bucknell game was I think indicative of, of the team spirit that, that we had, like, they, like we just didn't know when we were beat. I mean, we really didn't. Uh, and and I, I think that, um, you know, Evan and I were talking about this before there, there was just something about the way that um, we came together as, and it, it sounds kind of like cliche or, or cheesy, but they, there was something different about the group that, that was obvious to me um, going way back to preseason that started to kind of bear fruit when we got to that tail end of the season, when, when our backs were against the wall. Yeah. And I think that other teams would have, you know, lost that game or tied that game and that that would have been that, but there was just, we were not going to leave Annapolis without, without winning like that's just that that was clear to me but again like there were times I do remember I have vivid memories of that game and and I do remember at times just being like uh you know like it ain't gonna work like I, I was it was just a game where like we didn't play very well mm -hmm. but then I'd look at like Andy Soison just like heroically like tackling someone and, and just doing something like that like and then I'd be like okay I gotta I gotta I gotta get back in this or or and yeah. The, the moments like that are numerous and, and not just Andy Soison, but like BJ Hodson was our defensive central midfielder that year. He was one of 
you know, he's an unsung hero. Like he did not get any glory. He worked yeah. so hard for the team. He, he was immense in that game against Navy. He was immense. But we talk about that Bucknell victory in the, in the, um, in, in the, in the tournament, you got, but you, you beat them. And then the next day you guys play Lafayette for the championship. Um, you know, what was the locker room and the feeling, you know, uh, by yourselves, your, your teammates and coaches, you know, what was that, what was the kind of the message that they were sending heading into um, what you hope to would be a very favorable uh, 90 minutes for you guys? Yeah. I mean, uh, in my recollection, you know, it was, this is what you play for. I mean, this is, I remember Dean vividly remember Dean. It was a short bus ride. Obviously we were going to Lafayette. So it was a you know 20 minute bus ride. Yeah. But I remember him saying like, this is what, this is what the preseason was for. This is what the first, you know, 15 games are for. Give yourself an opportunity. You guys have a chance to make history. And for us, we were, you know, we were at that point a confident group. We had scored so many goals. We had won a lot of big games. Um, we were, we had a lot of momentum. But this was a team that, like, also loved each other at the same time. So, like, we were we, – we wanted a little bit of revenge, but it, it wasn't – that wasn't like what we were there for. Like we, for us, we were focused on winning that game. Like we knew that they were going to be chippy. We knew they were going to be physical. We knew that they were going to, they had, they had home field advantage. Like we knew all that stuff for us. It was just about like, these are the guys that we're going to go to war with today. We're going to find a way to win this game. We knew we had an opportunity to, to go to the NCAA tournament, which is what all of us wanted. We all wanted rings. We all wanted the championship. We all wanted the banner. We had said to, I remember Casey, Myself, Dan Percivali, Colin, there was a bunch of guys soicing in the back of the bus. And we got there and we looked out and there was a Patriot League like championship banner on the fence. Mm -hmm. Right. It was literally like on the side of the fence. And I think it was Soisin or maybe it was Case. And they said, when we win, we're ripping that off the fence and that's coming home with us. <laughs> and wouldn't you know, that's exactly what we did. Like we go with that game. <laughs> The first thing half of us did was go over, we ripped it off and we were just holding it up like this. I mean, it was, That's awesome. you know, we, we went there, yeah. we went there on a mission. We really did. Like we were, we were composed, but we, but we knew what we were going there for. Yeah. And I, I had, um, you know, my freshman year, my sophomore year, we lost two finals, um, mm -hmm. one up in Colgate and then my sophomore year at, at Lafayette. So for me and, and Andy, and John Robel, like, the, it, you know, we were, you know, a third one would have just felt cruel. Like we were yeah. really, um, you know, those, those memories, like the, the first final was, you know, we were played with 10 men and we still almost won. I mean, it was like heartbreaking. It really was like, it was yeah. a tough, tough one to get over. Same thing sophomore year. Like I thought we were probably the better team. We didn't win. So th that's kind of in the back of your head, especially for me, like those, that was, those were really tough losses to swallow. And I, I didn't mm -hmm. want to experience that again. You know, looking at that championship game on November 12th, uh, mm -hmm. 2000. And, you know, there are ebbs and flows throughout every championship game, any kind of game. There's, a net, there's ebbs and flows throughout the course of the game. Um, and you guys were scoreless at the end of the first half. Um, and both sides seemed to have chances throughout and um, just didn't, didn't come through for whatever reason. And, you know, Evan, you know, 
you probably thought you scored the game-winning goal in the uh, 76th minute, but it was ruled off sides. Um, and then Lafayette scored three minutes after that. You know, what was the reaction at the time of the call? And um, if there was the ability to have VAR back, back in the day, um, looking back, was it the right call? <laughs> great. You know what's great about winning? is you don't have to think about those things. If, if, if we would have lost that game, I would still be thinking about it. Um, we won the game, so it doesn't really matter. But, um, you know, it's funny. Uh, Andy Casey's dad, who, who probably knows more about soccer than all of us, um, you know, he was the one person who was actually standing on the line, like where I was, and still swears to this day that I was on sides. Um, you know, sure. He, he, my dad is adamant about that. I mean, obviously. He is. He is. And he never he didn't say much. If, if that goal counted, it would have taken away from the drama of, of how things went down. Exactly. However. <laughs> we, we won the game, so it doesn't matter. Sure, it would have been nice to score the goal. But, like, you know, I scored by uh, You scored I enough goals. Penalty, so. You scored <laughs> enough goals in your career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's a 19th, right, for that yeah. season? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's funny because um, – we have been for the last like three months, we've been trying to find video of that game and we can't find it anywhere. <laughs> so I, I wish that it. we, I wish that we knew uh, where some was so that we could, we could find out once and for all was Evan Bruno on sides. Uh, according to my, my dad's memory, which is razor sharp, even though he's 73, Evan Bruno was on sides. That, that's as good as VAR. He, he, also, he also didn't say much. I mean, he would yell at Andy every once in a while, but he really didn't say much to anybody else. And he would not stop for, for – for, I saw him 50 times after that, and every single time he saw me, he told me I was on. So I had to be on. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, you know, looking back, you guys did win, so that that that's that's the uh, that's all that matters in the end. But, but. I actually, I I I don't remember that. So you said Lafayette scored three minutes after Evans' goal was called back. Yeah, and I I remember that that goal going in. I was standing on the post. It was a header from a corner kick. I thought Doug Cusick was fouled because he was marking the guy that scored, and he never loses a header. Um, and that ball went in between me and Grizak, I think. And just the sinking feeling like, mm -hmm. oh, that this is happening again. Like this. For the third time. Again. Yeah. Like, I, like it, it, it felt cruel. Like it, it really. And I, I went for the ref because I thought that Doug had been fouled and like Andy Soison's kind of like holding me back because I think I'd probably gotten a yellow card already. Um, and, you know, he's, he's just kind of trying to get me to, to rein it in. But I felt like, like, yeah, like it's something had been stolen from me that that belonged to me i just remember that yeah. that feeling i remember that 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 moment very vividly actually and, and just the sinking sinking feeling of mm -hmm. like oh not again here like to of all places to lose here again yeah. and they're like they their fans they're <laughs> yeah. they're great like they're right on top of you like when that goal went in I mean, they, they went – it was loud. Like, they, they were celebrating like, yeah. like they had just won another championship. And, yep. and it, it just – it was crushing. And, Andy, newsflash, those uh, Lafayette fans are still like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. you, I was, we were there two years ago um, for, uh, for a regular season game. And, uh, um, while it wasn't for a championship or anything like that, uh, they still scored. And we were 
by far the better team. Um, and uh, that just, it was, it was nasty. I was, yeah. I was taking photos and the, the fans, the, the, I think it was alumni weekend. It was homecoming or something like that. And they were like yelling at me. Like yeah. I, like I did something like I was one of those <laughs> members of the team and I was just taking photos of mine my own business. Yeah, I have to say, like, I actually love playing an environment. Like I love going to Colgate. I love going to Lafayette. Oh, yeah. Um, just, just, just the, um, like it just, it made you like, it's why you play college soccer. Like there are lots of people there. They don't want you. Like, I, I love right. that. Like it just, it, but to, to when that, to go back to the, the goal, when that goal went in, it was like, yeah not, sure. not again like i have to listen to this again like this is gonna haunt me forever <laughs> you know <laughs> well well i mean it didn't last that i guess that feeling didn't last for too much longer uh dean had said that the that the final 20 seconds of the game were probably the the craziest of his entire coaching career um he's went on record and has told me that um you know what transpired for you guys to be able to score the tying goal uh with just nine seconds left on the clock obviously there Actually, was, there Josh, was a, there was, was everything was eight, going on. It there. was 8.4, and I okay. got photographic evidence of Andy Soison scoring with the clock in the background. I'll send you that photo as well. Perfect. Yeah. Actually, I again like to to bring my dad into this. So I would take the free kicks anywhere yeah. around the box. I I I still have a sweet left peg, Josh, but it was even better when I was a senior in college. Uh, and I just like whip crosses usually looking for Evan or Doug and I like, you know, kind of low flat, like bend on the ball. Mm -hmm. And I, I was doing that during the first half of this game as well, but like nothing, no one's getting on the end of them. Like again, Lafayette, like they defend well, like they, you can tell they do their homework. They know what the other team's going to do. It give it can give them an edge. So at halftime we're trudging into the locker room and my dad, kind of comes over like where you know we're where we're walking in and he's like yelling and he gets my attention he's like hey next time you get a free kick don't whip it in he's like float it this goalie's not catching anything and i was like good advice right yeah so whatever so yeah we get a free kick with like you know 10 seconds left the ref stops the clock at this point i'm you know i'm thinking like you know, I, I can't believe you've lost. Like, I'm thinking this. Like, I can't believe you've lost this. Like, I can't believe this is happening again. And I'm about to take the free kick. And like that, that, I was like, oh, yeah. My dad, my old man said to float it. And I did. And, and the goalie fumbled it. And uh, it, it fell to Andy Soyson. I actually, until the game on the bus, until we were on the bus on the way home, I thought Percivali scored. Mm -hmm. So when the ball went in, I mean, we went nuts. <laughs> I'll show you photos as well. Like, we went I mean, there were a lot of Lafayette fans there, but we don't like we brought a huge number of fans. Like, and it, like it went, they went bananas. And I, I remember running. I was like hugging Dan Percivali. <laughs> like, like just I just assumed it was him. And uh, it was uh, it fell to Andy Soison again. Like it couldn't have been a better person to score that goal. Yeah. Like, Someone your, just your senior captain, your yeah. senior leader. He mm -hmm. didn't score a goal, Josh. He, he hadn't scored a goal the entire season. Oh, wow. He, okay. No, he was our center back. I mean, he just came up because it was, you know, this, it, this was the game. So, you know, for him to score that goal, and he was, and he, and he mentioned it before, he was a great leader. I mean, very soft spoken. He led, you know, and that was the thing. And, and not to get a little bit off topic for this game, but 
you know, those three seniors, Andy Casey, John Robel, Andy Soysen, they were so unique in that Andy Soysen was a senior captain, but he was not vocal. He just kind of, you know, he, he let his play do the talking. John Robel, John Robel was not the best soccer player in the world, but John Robel was a great teammate and a great leader. He did, he spent four years at Lehigh, did not play all that much, but played a huge role on that team senior year. He played right back. Mm-hmm. Him and Matt White split time. Um, Matt White, frankly, was a more, you know, was a talented player. He was a more talented player, but John right. was, a, was a leader. And then Andy Casey was completely different. He was, you know, obviously very talented, but was the guy who made everybody accountable. He made sure every single person on the field, you know, was doing what they needed to do. And he was loud about it. And he was in your face about it. And Mm -hmm. that combination of those three guys, like, brought us together in a way that was, you know, like, you can't even explain. But for Andy Soysen to score that goal in the last eight seconds was just incredible. It's great for him. It's Uh, it's a memory that I'm sure if he was here, he would say he'll never forget, probably remembers vividly. Um, But you have to remember, like, Andy says we went crazy. Going back just a couple minutes in our conversation here now, We've won in double overtime at Navy in the, in the 127th minute. We won uh, at Bucknell. We were down one nothing in that game. We scored both goals in the 81st and 90th minute. Mm-hmm. Then, we, then we beat Bucknell in the semifinals. We, we win one nothing. We scored that goal in the 87th minute. And now we're here. We score with, with eight seconds left to win a Patriot League or to get to overtime of a Patriot League final. So yeah. we are on, you know – we're invincible at this point. We're not going to lose these games. Mm-hmm. So we go into this shootout and we're just like, okay, you know, which five of us are going to score? And let's, <laughs> let's go rip that. Let's yeah. go rip that banner off the fence. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was it, uh, I, like, it's hard to kind of find the words for that. It was just so perfect. I mean, it, everything about that moment was just you know there is there are no words in the english language to describe it's cliche and it's cliche but it was destiny for us before we move on with our next segment on the show let me just remind you that mountain hawk talk is presented by lehigh valley health network and coordinated health your unrivaled partners for sports medicine and injury care you can follow the show on Twitter at Lehigh MH Talk, and you can subscribe and download each episode from lehighsports.com slash podcasts or from your favorite platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Penalties. Let's talk about penalties, um, shall Actually, we? Actually, in overtime. Oh, overtime. There Wasn't there like four – there was four overtime periods, wasn't there? There were four, but I got uh, yeah. that – their best attacking player got a red card because he spat on me. Oh. Yeah. I, I had actually forgotten about this. My brother-in-law reminded me. He was at the game with my sister, and they were talking about it. My nephew's now 15, and they were at, you know, he wants to play college soccer, and they were talking about this game. And they're like, yeah, and that kid spat on you. I was like, what? I was like, yeah, you don't remember? I totally forgot about it. But this, I remember yeah, this, it. Yeah. yeah. I remember it. Yeah. I think that was his way of saying that uh, I was having a good game. So, so when when in the overtime period was that? Uh, because then they was that like enough time for them to have have had to have played with ten men at that point? Yeah, I think it was like pretty early on in the overtime. 
because it was pretty early on. They played with ten men after that, and they just packed it in. Yeah, so because then, were, yeah, because then they were, were basically like playing for penalties. They were playing for penalties at the time, and we were putting it on them. I remember, but you know, at that point, it was all right. Let's go to penalties, and we had practice penalties quite a bit. Dean was smart about that. I remember under the lights at night. You remember those cold like November nights, Andy? Oh yeah. We, we you know we would spend the last forty five minutes on penalties. Dean knew that at some point in this season, like it was going to come down to penalties and he was not going to lose in penalties and we were ready to go. Yeah. And, and, and you know, having Ryan and goal, like I, I felt like that was a huge advantage for huge. us. He's such a good goalie. Yeah. He, his reflexes were incredible. Like he was like a cat. I mean, he like, yes. I just remember his first preseason, like we were doing free kicks and I hit one like, you know, top corner and like he got up there, like his whole body was up mm-hmm. in the top left yeah. corner of the goal. He was insane. Made, I mean, his athletic ability was just off the charts. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. this is a guy who was five foot nine and can pick balls out of the corner. I mean, you don't find that very often, you know. Yeah, really, if, if if he was really like six three or six four, I mean, he exactly. You're talking really good about yeah, really good goalkeepers nowadays are are six one six two. I mean, he was five nine, but he had a forty inch vertical leap. I mean, the guy was the guy was insane. Yeah, he was an incredible athlete. Absolutely incredible. So, yeah, talking about that penalty shootout, and obviously you said the reaction that you guys had when Andy Soyson scored that goal um, to send you into overtime, obviously he was the one that 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 scored the, the, the game-winning penalty in the penalty shootout to, to, to get you your first Patriot League championship. What was that like to see the guy who hadn't scored all season long score twice and <laughs> two biggest goals of the season um and to deliver you guys a patriot league title he was as cool as you could imagine I mean, <laughs> he honestly stepped up to that penalty spot and he was the fifth guy that went so he knew it was up to him they had had a guy um sky one i think it was their third or fourth uh keith i remember that kid he was a good player and he skied it and um and he stepped up I mean, he was so calm, and he just put it right into the side netting. But, you know, that was an interesting round of kicks, too. I mean, I Dean put Doug Cusick out first. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. I, I went first. I went oh, was, it, was Doug second then? So Doug was second. Yeah. yeah. But, like, Doug's a, Doug's a freshman at that point. Like, you know, he wasn't the most technical player in the world. He was insanely athletic, and he was a goal scorer. But – that Dean just kind of had his pulse on who was going to make those kicks. I think he wanted the ball and on Doug's foot. He was fine with that. Um, obviously he had Andy set the tone. Um, my PK was an absolute nightmare. I went in, <laughs> but... <laughs> Evan, hey, whatever. Evan broke all the rules of penalty kick taking. Like, the, you know, my dad drilled this into my head from the age of like 10. You know, you go to take a penalty, you pick your spot, you know where you're going before you take it, you just hit your spot. Like, that's it's super simple, you know. So I'd, I've been hitting the same spot since I was 10 years old, you know. So I got up there, I put mm-hmm. it down, I hit the spot, you know, there we go. And, like, Evan tells me on the bus ride home that he changed his mind on the run up to, to the shot. <laughs> yeah. I was going left. I was going left, and as I'm going up, I see the keeper move to his right, which is my left, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and the last last second I just put it to the I like in I like inside of my foot just like hit it to the right and it went right inside the post and then I just ran back as if I knew I was going that way. <laughs> I'm sure people still think I was, but I got a little lucky, I think. So what was that feeling like 
you know, knowing that you guys finally won it. And, um, you know, obviously Andy, uh, you had said that, you know, you, you, you lost the first two championship games and then that third one, third time's the charm. I mean, that's the saying that goes, but you know, what was the celebration like? What was the <laughs> aftermath like? If if you're able to share, uh, <laughs> I don't know, uh, yeah, you know yeah. if uh, if you're gonna embarrass Dean on this uh, or or not. But um, but uh, I, you know, what was that whole ordeal like? You know, knowing that you guys had finally you know overcome all those obstacles, all the adversity, and beat Lafayette for the championship. Uh, you know that they're they're there are no words the the i think when when andy's um penalty went in and again i've got a picture of this i can send to you but the absolute outpouring of joy is apparent on all of our faces like it just you know like i think i was uh, probably crying i would imagine just the mm-hmm. the from the um the sheer joy of it and it it it, it um, all of that work that you would put in for years mm-hmm. bears fruit in this one moment, like in this one that lasted like two seconds. So you're talking right. like years of work bursts out in front of you in a split second. And you, you know, there, it was pure joy. Like my parents were there, like my sister came, my, um, you know, my brother-in-law, they weren't married yet, but like just, just the people that had been coming and watching our soccer games for, for years, you know, Kevin Jackson's parents were there, like Andy Mittendorf's parents were there, mm. like, you know, yeah. their kids had graduated, but they came to watch because that, that this was important to them. Right. You know? Kevin couldn't, Kevin had helped. He coached a little bit that year, but he, he was in Denmark. He was trying out for Co- Copenhagen. So like he had just left. Uh, mm. Andy Mittendorf had been, was playing in Sweden at the time, but like, you know, that they emailed, like they, this was important to them as well. Like, yes. so it, it, you know, the relationships that not just I made with people, but like my family made with, with people like they, my parents and our, all the parents that came to those games, like they sacrificed like so much yes. for us to like play soccer for fun, you know, like just that right. driving me to practice, like driving me to club practice, driving to Lehigh on a Saturday, it's six hours from, north of boston mm-hmm. i mean they wouldn't come all the time but they would they'd come and like you know john robles parents came from ohio for for this like it so to to kind of validate like that for those people was was amazing on top of the fact that like you had worked so hard for something that was so meaningful it, it just you can't yeah. beat it like I, i'll play soccer i still play soccer i'll play until i can't walk but nothing ever come close to that that moment nothing i mean that it, it, it it's impossible like i it, i treasure that like it really it, mm. nothing will come close to that feeling and the fact that it was soison that tied it up and the fact that it was soison that scored the it's just poetry it just it yeah. it, it really uh it, it really was just just a perfect moment you know and it's a pity that that there aren't any you know videos of it but in a, in a certain kind of way, I kind of like that too, you know? Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I can't add much to that because it's, it's spot on. It's honestly spot on, but I'll, you know, there are things in your life that you'll never forget. There are moments in your life that, you know, you can remember vividly. 
that's one of them. I remember looking over, seeing my mom. I remember looking over and seeing, you know, uh, Colin Marshall's parents. I, I remember the parents were really close. And that's one thing that you think about, you know, and you hear from alumni, you hear from other parents and, and players, other players that you're close with, like, this meant so much to so many people. And obviously it means a ton to us because we lived it. But, mm-hmm. you know, through the years, we've heard stories from other people who, who lived it as well. And they remember it just as well as we do. So, yeah, I mean, it's a culmination of all the hard work and it's something we'll never forget. But, um, yeah, it was, it, it's special. I mean, it's special. If you can experience a championship, um, you know, at any point in your life, it's, you know, it's something you'll never forget. But, Josh, I, 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 have, to, I have to mention somebody else because – there was somebody that this game meant more to than anything in his life. And you may not know of this human being, but people who were Lehigh fans, uh, you know, prior to 2005 at any point, uh, knew of a man named Phil Sklar. Phil was our team manager. He was our biggest fan. He came to every single road game. He came to every single home game. Phil hated Lafayette. <laughs> I mean, he hated Lafayette with a passion. And he lived his life to hate Lafayette. Mm-hmm. And that game meant the world to him. And we, you know, Phil helped out with the basketball team and he helped out with some other teams. But I'm sure Dean can attest, Phil was a Lehigh soccer coach. I mean, he, he you know, for all intents and purposes, he was part of our family. I mean, he was at every practice. We loved him. Um, we treated him like he was part of the team and, and he hated Lafayette and that win to him. Uh, he passed away very shortly after that. I, I want to say the next year. Um, rest it, it was, I think but it was that, that December, Evan. It, it was, it was very shortly after yeah. and we sent him off for the championship. And let me tell you something. We have a picture. I will send you this one as well, Josh. We have a picture of the team kind of huddled in the middle of the field and we've got, we're all, you know, kind of hands in the middle and, and Phil is just like on the outside with his hand going over the top, yeah. you know, with, with our trophy. And he was, he was a major part of that team. That was all part of like the camaraderie that we had. Um, and it might've been around, you know, busting Phil's chops every once in a while, but he <laughs> loved us. I mean, he loved us. He hated Lafayette. So that, that was uh, he was an important part. That's awesome. Um, there are plenty of Lehigh teams that stick out over the years as being the best in the history of the program. 2000, 2002, 2006, 2015, and 2019 are the ones that qualified for NCAA tournaments. In your, in your guys' opinions, what are the common ties between all of those that made them so successful? Well, we did it first, so. <laughs> true. Yeah, very true. No, no, I mean, at the end of the day, the common tie is Dean Kosky. I mean, let's face it, you know, I mean, he's, there, there's something to be said about continuity in a program and the ability to build. Um, he's done a great job of finding not only his own style uh, throughout the 20 years, but, but finding, um, you know, complementing styles. I know Coach Hess, who's with him now, fantastic coach mm-hmm. um you know he's had he's had other good coaches along the way but you know guys like that when you're building a program they they, they mean a lot so I think I think coach Koski is obviously the common denominator but there's something to be said about like there's something special about championship teams I'm, I'm not sure what it is it's like a there's this DNA that comes together as a group that you know kind of formulates what a championship team is 
Um, and it's not easy. Like we had, I can't, we had talented teams my four years, such talented teams. Mm -hmm. After Andy left, we had another crop of freshmen come in the next year, my junior year that was excellent, and my senior year that was excellent. We lost in the Patriot League finals in a shootout, and we lost in the Patriot League finals in regulation, so or uh, semifinals in, in uh, I think it was overtime, actually, my junior year. But there's, you know, for yeah. whatever reason, it, it, it's not easy. It's just not. Uh, you know, you don't, even if you have the best team, it doesn't mean you're just going to win. Um, so, obviously, those Lehigh teams had – you know, uh, probably a similar experience to us. There was a game that triggered something. There was a preseason where they knew they were special. There were three captains like Andy Casey, Andy Soison, and John Roble that brought a team together with an influx of other talent. So not to kind of regurgitate what I was saying earlier, but when those things all come together, like that's the only way you win a title. Like mm -hmm. that, I really believe that because talent doesn't do – anything for you in the Patriot League. Like you can have a very talented very team, but you're yeah. probably not going to win unless yeah. you, unless you have all the intangibles that, that our team had in 2000 and those other teams had. And obviously Dean is a major part of that. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, I actually brought my nephews to see the 2016 team play against BU up here. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Dean being like my parents came and Dean being like such an awesome guy made it, special for my nephews like he had the players come and like take pictures with them and they signed that's awesome soccer ball for him it's just it's just like really touching stuff like that that make you realize what a special place lehigh is but that after we have the, we stayed for the tailgate because tradition right mm -hmm. so we're hanging out and a couple of the guys on that team started talking to me about you know oh can you tell me a little bit about the you know dean said you're on the 2000 team that you know you won the first title and they were asking me and it's funny because I told them like, you know, it might sound stupid, but you know, every Friday night, like we would just play ping pong at my house and everybody was invited. And the first couple of weeks, like, you know, it's just usual older guys that we all knew each other, but by like the middle of October, like every single person on that team from, you know, star starting players like uh, Evan here uh, down to guys that knew they were never going to get on the field, no matter what happened, all of them would come and all of them were just a part of this. And mm -hmm. I, I was like, you know, I, I know it might sound ridiculous, but I honestly think that's what made this team special. There was, there were guys on that team that, that, that knew they weren't going to play. And yet they, they brought, they brought it to every practice. They yeah. came, they played ping pong. They, they knew that we made them feel a part of the group because they were, uh, I think that stuff maybe resonated with those guys. I was like, just try it. Just have everybody come over on Friday nights. And just, I don't know, do something with them. That's awesome. It, it, stuff yeah. goes a long way, you know? You know, looking at where you guys are in your career now um, and what, you know, what are the things that being a student, Lehigh student athlete has taught you and how does your time at Lehigh fit within um, the learn, grow, lead theme that is so big at Lehigh right now? Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, obviously – Lehigh was was hugely instrumental in in kind of my you know my life my you know I, I think of my formative years like the four years I was at Lehigh like go, coming you know showing up as an 18 year old high school you know student and and leaving as a you know 22 year old man so to speak um, it kind of changes your life I mean you start to especially with the networking and and the alumni you know base that Lehigh has I mean I'm 
I'm really close. Right now, one of my closest friends here locally is uh, a Rob Esposito. Rob Esposito played soccer at Lehigh. I think he graduated in 93 or 94. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had very little connection to him besides I met him at, a, at an alumni game when I was a student. Um, and then we connected in New York City and we have mutual friends and now he lives nearby and, and I'm very close with him and his family. But, you know, for me with, you know, the, the, the learn, grow, lead theme, I mean, there's, there's a, there's something different about being a student athlete, right. And playing a sport. Um, and I think you probably can hear it in mine and Andy's voices, like throughout this entire podcast, that there's a passion and a connection that you have with teammates when you participate in a, in a sport. Um, and it's something that you can't, it's really hard to put into words what that means to you. Um, and what that means to your connection with your peers, with your friends, with guys who you went to college with, with guys who, you know, are the best man in your wedding, Dan Persibali, who obviously I played with was the best man in my wedding. Like that, that guy, you know, I would do anything for that guy, you know, Colin Marshall, one of my best friends in the world. Um, Andy, like these are guys who they change your life. Like they become, they become part of your family for the rest of your life. So it probably doesn't answer the question for specifically how I tie it back to learn, grow, lead, but maybe it does because (laughs) the things that I learned and the way that I grew from being a Lehigh student athlete, like, guess what? Those are the things that I'm passing on to my five-year-old son. Those are the things that I'm passing Mm -hmm. on when I'm coaching intramural soccer for him right now. Like, I'm, I'm already probably subconsciously passing stuff on that Dean passed on to me. So, you know, that's, uh, I think that's, that speaks for itself. All of the kind of worthwhile lessons I learned during those four years were, were on the soccer field or were connected to the soccer team. I mean, that, that it's, it's a classroom for sure. Um, and I, I, you know, like in the classroom, like you learn stuff, but it's usually, it's kind of abstract, you know? Um, sometimes it applies to real life. Sometimes it doesn't, but the stuff that you learn, like playing a sport with a competitive sport with good athletes and and it's organized, like those lessons are tangible and, and worthwhile. And I think about, you know, just kind of talking to you about those, you know, final couple games, my senior year, like I think had I been younger and had I not, gone to a place like Lehigh and and not played with certain types of people that Dean brought there mm-hmm. like I would have I would have phoned it in like I would have I would have been like all right this is a, if there's a there was a there's still a part of me that that's like that it's like ah what's the point like we're losing like we're gonna quit but then like you look at what your teammates are doing around you in the midst of that and like you realize that that's really not an option and that's that's a powerful thing to to learn like i did i I wasn't like that when i was in high school like Mm -hmm. i thought that you just show up and you win because you're you're better than everybody else but when i played at lehigh i realized (laughs) there's so much more that that i needed to do and and those those moments are, are are things that as an adult are super important i i tell my students about it like we we talk about like what's going to make you successful in life it's not how talented you are at something Mm -hmm. it's it's all these other we call them non-cognitive skills like you know perseverance grit um gratitude humility like those things 
uh, I, I had to learn those things and I learned them. There was no better place than, than being a part of a group like this to, to learn those attributes because they're important. And they're, those are things that will help you in life, whether you're playing soccer or you're a teacher or you're working sale, it doesn't matter. Yep. Th those things are really, and again, like it, it comes back to Dean, like he, he said this once and I remember kind of snickering cause we were like, you know, it, it sounded kind of like a cliched line, but he's right. He's like, I recruit winners. Like you all come from club teams and high school teams where you win. Like you, I, I bring you here because the, those are the type of people that you want around you. And if it right. just it becomes infectious when you're around people like that, again, like I know we keep talking about Andy Soison, but he, to me, he epitomized that, that mentality. Like he just, he was just always going to give a hundred percent no matter what. And, and that, and he, I, I, like, that kid was so good and so consistent. I think he played one bad game in four years of college soccer. Like he was, that was, by the way, that was how Percivali was too. Yeah. I mean, Dan Percivali was a stalwart for four years. I, he played one bad game, and then we found out he had mono after the game. So, I mean, yeah, incredible. But just just being around people like like that that have those those that kind of like fortitude and hard work, like that's. I'd never, you know, rub shoulders with people like that before. And it left an indelible impression on me for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure and to have both of you on and talking about the 2000 team. And, um, you know, hopefully we have a spring season and hopefully soon we can celebrate the 2000 team in person. And once we get out of this COVID stuff and I can meet you guys in person one day. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to, if, if we could come down in the spring, like I'll, I'll be there in a minute. I'd love to see you in person. Thank you so much for doing this. It was really fun to, to kind of take a trip back down memory lane for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it was Josh. Thank you very much. It was a lot of fun talking about it. And, and, you know, as Andy mentioned, you know, it doesn't matter if it's next spring or next fall or whenever this group again, it is, pretty special like we will be back together at some point um, whenever it does happen you're going to get the whole squad back and we'll have a great time you've been listening to mountain hawk talk presented by lehigh valley health network and coordinated health the mountain hawk talk podcast is a production of lehigh sports communications Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on the platform of your choice. If you have show comments, questions, or suggestions for future guests, email us at sports at lehigh.edu. You can also follow the show on Twitter at lehighmhtalk.